Alright everybody, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. We are here inside of Neyland Stadium right now. It is about 12.30 in the morning. But hey, we are just wrapping up the Tennessee Ball State game from Thursday, the season opener in Knoxville. Now we're here on the podcast ready to uh, break things down. My name is Rick Butler. As always, join with me here right now by Ryan Shumpert. Ryan, what a uh, fun night. Uh, first and foremost, just be it's good to be back in the thick of things. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, we... It's kind of a running joke. Uh, I like to say football is back at every chance I get. Yeah. But finally, football is yeah. back. It's actually back. And Tennessee was on Shield Watkins Field, and they played a game of, of meaning, a game that's going to count on their record this season. And they took care of business, uh, rolling Ball State 59-10. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make anybody jealous, but we are sitting here in a balcony suite <laughs> inside of Neyland right now, one of the suites that they that they do the, what was it, television tapings out of? Yeah, I think that's what it said. So we have no window, just overlooking a, a pitch black sky in the stadium and the field. There are sprinklers going off everywhere, uh, giving the thing a nice water down. So really just a, a great view in front of us and a great game to talk about as well. As you said a second ago, Tennessee beats Ball State to open the season by a score of 59-10. to 10. Ryan, there are a lot of things that we're going to get into uh, just kind of talking about this, but where do you want to start? What was kind of the biggest uh, takeaway you had? Was it maybe offense? Was it maybe defense? Was it maybe player personnel? What would you think? Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about a game like this and you talk takeaways, you know, I don't know how much there is to glean from it or sure. to take away from it truly. And at least anything, I mean, there are takeaways, but what are big takeaways? I think that's hard. And I think where you talk about where to start, I think there's no better place to at the start just because of how meaningful it was. And those first two plays of the game from scrimmage, Ball State, they came out. You really saw it a lot in the first quarter. They played with nothing to lose. Yep. They went for it on fourth down <laughs> twice. They went for it on one of the fourth downs was backed up at their own 25-yard line. And in the first play of the game, they ran a reverse flea flicker. Uh, Aaron <laughs> Beasley got some great pressure. It hit um, hit the quarterback. Um, go blank on his name. John, John Paddock. Paddock. Yeah, hit John Paddock as he threw. And then Tamariano McDonald, who has had a great offseason to, to earn the start at start, was right in the right spot, made the interception. One play later, uh, Hooker found, finds Jalen Hyatt for a 23-yard touchdown. And just like that, two plays from scrimmage. Tennessee was up 7-0, and they certainly never looked back. Yeah, that was a lot of conversation around training camp. I mean, you and I talked about it. Other people were talking about it. But it was to Marion McDonald's almost meteoric rise yeah. to the the top of the depth chart. I, when, the, when the depth chart came out at the beginning of the week, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised. But it was good to see what looked like to Mary McDonald definitively winning that star job. Josh, uh, Josh Heupel talked about it after the game. You know, Theo Jackson was just so good in that spot last year. So, so McDonald is a guy who really has kind of had to pay his dues a little bit, and then he gets to come into the game today. And, and again, I think you saw where that improvement came from. Starting the game off hot, grabbing that interception right there, and then what that led to, that led to a Jalen Hyatt emergence, which, look, uh, again, another guy that we've talked about a lot in the last month, I think a lot of people know what Jalen Hyatt needs to be this year, right? And knows kind of how he needs to evolve. Well, if I told you going into today, hey, Jalen Hyatt is going to start out his season with a touchdown in the first play, you'd be thinking, well, that's a pretty good way to start the season. So I think ultimately just from an offense perspective, from a defense perspective, and then for Jalen Hyatt himself, just for his own uh, mental and for his own self-confidence. He talked about this after the game as well, how he knew he had to put in work for this season. So again, I just think that him starting out the the game that way for himself, who, who knows if it's a lasting effect, but I think that's as good of a start as you could have asked for. Yeah, certainly, and he didn't do a ton after that. I think one other catch for, for five, went for five yards. When you look at it, 
he didn't play much in the second half. Uh, after the first drive of the second half, uh, Tennessee went 94 yards, scored a touchdown, almost all on the ground. I think eight runs in, in ten plays on that first drive. They pulled Hendon Hooker. The starters on offense were out the rest of the game. And you look at it, I mean, there was a clear emphasis. They talked about it earlier this week. They want to play more receivers. And tonight was a great opportunity to do so, and they did. Uh, Hendon Hooker completed passes to eight different uh, Tennessee receivers. Eight? I think, uh, yeah, I wow. think 12 different targets uh, overall. I shouldn't say Hendon Hooker because I think Jack Jansen caught a pass uh, from, I think it was uh, Gaston Moore. So it wasn't wasn't Hooker, but it, it, the point remains. Tennessee got a bunch of different receivers involved, and that was a clear emphasis. So I don't know how much of a negative I take away. I don't think there's much for me from what Hyatt, you know, the limited uh, stuff that he did the rest of the game. But certainly a, a great start for him and a great start for Tennessee. You really couldn't have drawn it up any better. Let's talk about Brew McCoy. Yeah. That was a lot of the conversation going on in the last week, kind of leading into this game. Ryan, one of the... Um, one of the most noticeable things to me, and again, we're going to see Brew McCoy versus better talent. Heck, in 10 days, maybe yeah. 9 days now, we're going to see Brew McCoy against better talent. But for me, what I kind of saw and what I kind of took away today was just, man, this is a kid who, who has had a lot of turmoil to, to his college football career. He's been in a lot of different places, hasn't really been on the field as much as he would like to. To me, when I looked down at the field today, I saw a kid who was excited to be on the field and, and just was playing like there was no tomorrow almost. I mean, this is a guy who, who, you know, was not ending a play early. He he was going past the whistle. He wasn't going out of bounds just to kind of protect a, a little hit on the sideline. He he wanted to drop his shoulder and lower it into the other defender. So to me, Brew McCoy, and, and then you look at just the, uh, he he did put up some good numbers as well. Uh, at least I, I think. Let's see, three catches. Three catches for 42. 42 yards. Yeah. So not bad, right? And again, like you were saying with Hyatt, Tennessee rotated a lot of guys in, so so his production trailed off throughout the night. But I am at least optimistic from our first showing of Brew McCoy. Yeah, no, I agree. And Heifel was uh, complimentary of him post-game, talking about he felt like he was adapting to the system well, adapted to the tempo, and didn't look uncomfortable, didn't look out of sorts at all, which I think is a big first step. And it is just that. It's the first step, so it's not the end-all, be-all. But I thought that was strong. One thing uh, I was surprised probably wouldn't be the right word, but maybe intrigued uh, the way they got him the ball. Uh, they threw a couple of different screen passes to him, quick hitters yeah. out there. And look, you know, that's a big part of the offense. They did that to a lot of different guys. But with his build, you know, 6'3", 215, he's not really a speedster. And I thought it showed a lot of their confidence in him to use that physicality, to run through arm tackles, and to make plays after the catch that they wanted to get him involved. And even I think if you're going to be uh, you're going to nitpick on Hinton Hooker's performance today, he was a little high on some of those throws. Yeah, towards the sideline. Towards the sideline, those quick screens, uh, really a handful. Most of them were completed, and then one of them that they did uh, run to McCoy was, was well over his head. So an opportunity for another catch Ball on State that play. should have taken one of those back to the house uh, over here. I know nobody can see, but over here in the in the corner by the uh, by the students. Yeah. Hey, there was one errant pass, and I at least from my vantage point, I could it could be different looking it back, but yeah, that was a uh, that was one that Ball State certainly could have uh, taken back a, a pretty good amount of yards. But you're right. I, I think that ultimately, nothing uh, nothing too concerning about some of those passes. Just hey, something you noticed in the first game. Something that you're assuming is going to be cleaned up. Yeah, and then he missed Jalen Hyatt over the middle on another throw. I think. I believe that was to throw Josh Heifel was referencing his post-game press conference. Those things were really the only mistakes, uh, at least from our vantage point, when we're not, we're not watching the film and we're not football coaches and we don't know what the read is on every every play. But but Hooker looks really good. And like I said uh, in our recap video, go check it out on the RTI YouTube page. Um, but 
eight drives for Hendon Hooker in the game in Tennessee's. Really, it wasn't all Tennessee's starting offense, but mostly Tennessee's starting offense. They scored 45 points on those drives. That's six touchdowns, one field goal, and then they went one three and out there in the second quarter. So about as good as you could expect. I thought it was interesting, and it was surprising. Tennessee really didn't hit a ton of deep shots over the top, uh, especially when Hooker was in. Joe Milton connected with uh, Jimmy Holiday uh, for a long touchdown pass, but that was on a, kind of a little... Uh, post slant somewhere in yeah. the middle of that and, and wasn't a throw over the top so uh, Ball State if you're going to give uh, the defense compliment for anything as they took away the deep plays but I thought Hooker was good at not forcing it when it wasn't there down the field and, and Tennessee was able to kind of move move the ball methodically yeah and like you said some of those uh, some of those reads in the end zone were nice and, and things that you definitely want to see going forward all right let's uh let's continue to expand this thing out a little bit how about from a running back perspective? We knew that coming into this game, it, it would be a uh, pretty indicative for the whole season about Tennessee's limited running back room, if you will. Not that the four guys that are in it are limited, but just, hey, having four scholarship running backs is a limited room. What do you think of kind of how Tennessee managed that? Does it kind of give you a any indication of things to come, maybe from what you saw tonight? Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was there was some interesting stuff. I'll start by saying I thought, Really, all three of the top guys ran the ball really well. I thought Jabari Small, I think his longest run uh, was just like 11, 12, 13 yards. Uh, 14 yards was his longest run. but So he didn't have any lo- real long ones, but I thought he was real consistent in finding the yards in between tackles. Jalen Wright was good in his opportunities. And then Dylan Sampson, he didn't get any run until the second half when Joe Milton got in. But he was kind of the main back uh, once that came, and I thought he had some nice things, found the end zone for the first time. But when you look at kind of the rotation, I think the number takeaway number one is that I think it's truly Jabari Small is the number one back, and that doesn't mean Jalen Wright. That doesn't mean Dylan Sampson won't get carries because that's just not the nature of college football. It's not the nature of football. You're going to rotate running backs, but this isn't a situation where, like last year, you had Tyon Evans and you had Jabari Small, and it was kind of a 1A, 1B, and those guys were going to get pretty equal carries. I think Jabari Small is going to be running back number one, at least at this point in the season. Jalen Wright we know was banged up uh, in fall camp, and Josh Heupel said that he needed to get the contact out there today because he didn't get a whole lot. So I thought that was interesting. And then kind of when you look at the back end, uh, a lot of talk about the two freshmen running back in, running backs coming in. And certainly Dylan Sampson had more buzz than Justin Williams-Thomas. But I don't think I expected the discrepancy to be what it was. I mean, Dylan Sampson got a lot more carries. Uh, carries were earlier uh, in the evening as than Justin, Tom- Justin Williams-Thomas were. And then he Williams-Thomas had that fumble as well. It definitely feels to me like he might be a little bit more of an emergency back or is clearly the fourth back. And I think there's a clear pecking order with Small, Wright, Sampson, and then Williams-Thomas in Tennessee's running back room. Yeah, I would very much agree with you. And, and not just because this is the thoughts we were talking about during the game, but you know, I think coming into this game, you might have had an expectation that, hey, these coaches like Jabari Small and they want to see what he can offer this year because what we were told was in the offseason, man, he did a lot of work to his body to get ready to be a number one back. And I think, again, that you, you saw a little bit of the confidence from this coaching staff in giving him the ability to be Tennessee's number one running back. To, to what you're saying, you know, and not necessarily make it a – uh, a 50-50 or even a, a 60-40 type of rep splits or something like that. So certainly going to be interesting to see how Tennessee uses this running back room going forward. And then, like you said, Dylan Sampson, he, he was a workhorse for Tennessee in the second half. They had him and Joe Milton uh, leading that offense, and there were a lot of runs between the two. Uh, but certainly they wanted to get 
Dylan Sampson the ball. They wanted to see what kind of reps he had. And, and to me, that just kind of speaks to they, they want to see how, how ready he is for Pittsburgh next week because obviously we've talked about it a couple times now. Quick turnaround. Not necessarily a quick turnaround. There's, it's actually a long turnaround. Yeah. But a, a quick turnaround in the season, right? Out of the 12-game schedule, this is week two. So, so certainly something early going on. Uh, how is Tennessee going to be ready for that? I feel pretty good about it after what we saw tonight, especially like what you're saying. I do think that Jabari Small is going to be their main back. It does seem like Dylan Sampson is going to kind of creep up for those uh, maybe third most carries or, or third most touches as the leading freshman. So a lot of interesting things to go on and see how it unfolds. You certainly, and kind of looking at Pittsburgh, obviously they won a thriller tonight in the return of the backyard brawl. And But really, you know, one thing that stood out in the little bit that I was able to watch and, and kind of follow and hearing from people, uh, communicating with people that were able to watch the game, is that you know, West Virginia ran the ball really well in the second half against Pittsburgh. And you go back to that Tennessee-Pitt game last year, Hinden Hooker ran the ball well in that game, but Tennessee's running backs didn't get a whole lot going and Tennessee's offensive line struggled with that Pittsburgh front to me that might be the, really the battle of both line of scrimmages as we look here nine nine and a half days out to kick off I think is going to be what's worth watching but certainly I'm going to be really interested to see if Tennessee can have a little bit more traction running the ball because if, if they can run the ball really effectively in that game it's hard to imagine Pitt's going to have a lot of answers for Tennessee because uh, the Panthers breaking a, a couple new guys in that secondary. Let's go ahead and flip the script. We've been talking about offense this whole time. Let's go ahead and flip it over to defense. Ryan, a lot of the, well, really I should say this, one of my main takeaways from offense was true on defense as well, and that was just simply Tennessee wanted to see a lot of guys in the game today, and they did. They were rotating left and right as early as the fourth, uh, as early as the first quarter and as late as the fourth quarter. We saw guys rotate in the secondary. We saw defensive linemen rotating in and out. We saw pass rushers rotating in and out. There was a lot of guys on the field for Tennessee uh, and, excuse me, for Tennessee's defense. Even in the first quarter, you were seeing guys like Elijah Herring and Josh Josephs get in the game. These are guys who are freshmen, right, who, who have only been in one training camp so far with Tennessee. So just the, the again, we've talked about depth a lot, how much of that depth is going to be playable. I, I think that's obviously the critical question now that we're in the season. Tennessee trying to figure that out uh, as we go on by putting these guys in the game, seeing what they can do. Certainly, and if my recollection's right, I think that you know Herring and Josephs were in on the second drive. And Tennessee's first drive was obviously, or Ball State's first drive was obviously one play. So uh, uh, certainly a lot of trust. Herring seemed to be in in some third down packages uh, specifically. And you're right, uh, there wasn't really hardly any rotation at safety. I mean, Danico Slaughter got some reps, but uh, it was a lot of Jalen McCullough and Trayvon Flowers, the two seniors. The rest of the defense, a lot of rotation. I mean, the defensive line, you yes. expect that. That's just... Again, the nature uh, of the sport, you're going to play a lot of guys. But at linebacker, Tennessee really only had, once Jawan Mitchell went down last year, only had confidence in, in Solon Page, Aaron Beasley, and Jeremy Banks. Jeremy, or Jawan Mitchell did not play tonight. Uh, I thought, one, I thought Aaron Beasley had a really good game. But you also saw guys like Quasi Garland, who went down with an injury, earned a lot of reps. And, and then we have mentioned Herring as well, who played. So I thought that was telling. And then at uh, the corner spots, it really seems like, D. Williams wasn't available. He's the fourth corner, so maybe he becomes a factor if he becomes healthy. But between Kamal Haddon, Christian Charles, and Warren Burrell, those three guys seemed to, you know, the two cornerback spots, it was pretty even how much playing time they got. And that's not a huge surprise. And then Wesley Walker uh, behind McDonald got some reps as well. So uh, really at those corner and star spots, I really think you're probably going to continue to see a lot of rotation. I'm curious to see uh, what the linebacker room looks like and if they tighten that up going into pit. Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, I, I think that 
when you look at Ball State's offense and kind of what they were able to do, I don't know if I can sit here and I have a a, a perfect understanding of what this Tennessee defense is yet, right? Obviously, I think next week they're going to be much more tested, especially in that secondary. They're going to be a lot more tested. But when you look at Ball State, uh, I believe they had just about 74 yards on the ground. Now, Paddock did throw the ball, attempt to throw the ball 43 times today, ended up with 269 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. So from what I saw from the defense, pretty good. I don't have too many complaints, kind of I don't have too many concerns. But again, at the same time, I, I think that for me at least, keeping it in perspective of, hey, take the opponent into consideration, still recognize that Tennessee played well and they did good things. And hey, this is a, this is a, a power five football team, so you can't just you know, you, you want to give them credit, absolutely. Um, but I, I certainly think that we're going to find out more from different games in this season as opposed to what we might have saw from Ball State tonight. Yeah, no doubt. And it's late, so I'll, I'll pardon <laughs> you. Not a Power 5 football team in Ball State, but a Division One football oh, team. Oh, okay. A uh, group of five team. But, no, you're right. And I think overall, overwhelming, you know, it was positive tonight and what – Tennessee was able to do, and certainly there's questions. I think the defensive line probably was the biggest one. Uh, no sacks, though I do think Ball State did a good job of getting the ball quick uh, out of Paddock's hands and, and not putting themselves in a lot of situations uh, where Tennessee could really pin their ears back and, and go after the passer. But even in, in the run game, not that Ball State gashed Tennessee or anything right that, like that, but there, Tennessee didn't create a whole lot of negative plays. Uh, it, it felt like there were just a lot of three- to four-yard runs uh, for Ball State. And this, this is a Ball State team that they do bring back five off starting offensive linemen, so it's not that that's, you know, Tennessee still should have made, uh, created some more negative plays even with that. But it's not a, a bad Ball State offensive line. It's not a bad Mac offensive line or, or anything like that. But I, I think that is, again, when you look at Pitt, and I said the two lines of scrimmage, this is exactly my thought on this line of scrimmage, is that we know Pat Narduzzi fired his offense coordinator and they split ways this offseason, and he's been very vocal about how he refused to run the ball, and it certainly seemed like Pitt uh, was a lot more run first tonight in their season opener. So I think that's going to be kind of best on worst, on both potentially on both sides of the ball uh, next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this. You know, I'm going to blame... Uh, the outside for for you know that power five division one mistake right there they turned off the lights on us in here in the stadium so i couldn't see my notes properly and hey it's one o'clock in the morning so you're right it is kind of late you know one thing that i certainly expected coming into this season not that my expectations are any different now but kind of to to a similar point to what you're saying i really felt like byron young and tyler barron are were going to be impact players for Tennessee just in their ability to pressure the quarterback from different sides of the line of scrimmage. Now, I still help, uh, excuse me, I still hold that belief going into the year, and I still think that is going to be impactful to, for Tennessee, and it needs to be impactful. But kind of like you were saying, I, I did not see it as maybe dominant as I would have expected tonight. Now, again, that doesn't give me any kind of gigantic panic for the future. There's still a lot of season left to go and uh, a, a lot of games and, and snaps to be played. But yeah, I did think about that at one point. Just kind of, hey, you know what? I maybe expected them to be a little bit more dominant at times. They weren't necessarily. I didn't. I didn't think that they were bad because of that. But we'll 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 have to see them step up next week, and then we'll see what kind of uh, uh, momentum and impact they can continue to make. Maybe not at the strongest tonight, but still many, uh, many more opportunities ahead. Yeah, certainly. And more than anything, just probably won't be a fun film session with Rodney Gardner uh, when the team. I'm at, I think Heupel said it would be Saturday uh, when they come together and watch that. So you're right, uh, nothing for any means to hit the panic button 
uh, game one for the defensive line. Just, uh, I think, really probably the only part of the team or only facet of the game where uh, the Vols left a little bit to be desired. All right, Ryan. Well, what do you say, man? We go ahead and get out of here for tonight. It has been a long day, a long night, although I don't really want to leave the view that we have. But uh, nonetheless, we will uh, we'll go ahead and get out of here so we can get some work done. You know, it's 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 nice having college football back. We, we were watching on the TV earlier, obviously got to be at this game. Just the, the sport and the feeling and the energy that it brings, it, it's one of my favorite in all of uh, all, all the sports world. So thankful that college football is finally back. Oh, yeah, uh, no doubt. And it seems like you guys at home got to watch a couple of really good games tonight. Uh, with yeah. Pitt, uh, West Virginia, which was thrilling. And I was trying to, I was watching our, our buddy Noah Taylor with the Maryville Daily Times' his laptop Shout when, out. Hy- when Hypo was speaking. Uh, that was an awesome ending. And then. Got back on the press box and, and was able to watch Penn State's game-winning drive against Purdue. Another great game. So an awesome Thursday night to kick off the season. Uh, obviously, everything went well for Tennessee, and then uh, it should hopefully be a fun Saturday as we get going into what uh, I anticipate will be a top 25 matchup next weekend in Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, also, shout-out to uh, – I, I have a friend, Jake, and, and he hit on a parlay with both Pittsburgh and Penn State yeah. uh, getting the victory tonight. So that's um, – that's a, that's a nice, lucky, fun way to uh, to start the season. But no doubt about it, hey, we are going to get out of here. We're going to wrap this thing up and shut this thing down. We will see you back sometime next week as we start to break down Tennessee and Pittsburgh in Week 2. But for now, this has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Podcast. Make sure you head over to RockyTopInsider.com. You can find out all of our coverage and just the different things that we had going on during the Tennessee Ball State game today. You can go and follow us on all different social media flat. Uh, platforms YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And then, of course, if you want to go and follow Ryan on Twitter, you can go and follow him at rshump00. If you want to follow myself, you can go and follow me at Rick underscore Butler. But, of course, make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider for all of the best Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. Tennessee defeats Ball State by a score of 59-10. to 10. We'll see you back next week.